everybody. Happy Wednesday. Happy Victory Wednesday. Casey Phillips here with senior writer and editor Scott Smith. It is time for Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. This is where we answer all of your questions. So if you're not already watching on Facebook, you can head on over there and you leave a comment in the comment section underneath the live video. We love hearing your questions. We love knowing what you want us to talk about as we give people a chance to do that. A um, few different things we wanted to chat with early on, especially Pro Bowl voting is open, which is, we want to still get people excited about this. We know there's no game, but that does not change the honor. That does not change that we want our Buccaneers recognized. So I wanted to hear from you who you feel like has a legitimate chance. Um, and, and I mean, A, I just wanted to remind everybody to go vote for our Buccaneers. But for you, how many do you think we could reasonably have? Who do you think deserves it? How do you think it'll shake out? You know, all, all of that stuff. Yeah, actually, the fact that there's no game probably makes this a bigger honor because you're not going to have all the replacements and you're going to have one roster that's, I don't know, maybe 45 players instead of it burgeoning up to like 80 players with all the replacements. Uh, there's a lot of candidates for the Buccaneers. I think we'd be uh, being overly aggressive. If we thought all of these guys could make it, but I mean, the guy that the hot name right now because of the game he just had is Ronald Jones and he is second in the conference in rushing. Um, obviously he's got the numbers He's only behind Dalvin Cook, so if you just go by the rushing numbers, he's second and he's well ahead of the next couple guys. The next guy's Kenyon Drake is at more than 100 yards behind him. The problem, of course, is you have some guys with names that don't have the same stats at the moment, like Aaron Jones and Ezekiel Elliott, and you know how name recognition goes into Pro Bowl voting, so we'll see how that goes. But there's a bunch of others. Obviously, we're hoping that all the attention this team is getting will get Levante David another Pro Bowl because he probably should have about five of them by now. Um, you know, a little note here. Can I make a side note on Levante, David? Always, oh, especially when it's about Levante and bragging on him. We can have all okay. the side notes we want. Well, this is more of a big picture thing. Um, Levante, in his next game, this game, he'll play in his 132nd game, all his Buccaneers. And that's going to tie him with Richard Wood for the 10th most starts in team – I mean, games played in team history. He's already seventh in starts. Every other player on that list, their career started before the turn of the millennium. So, in other words – you know, it's mostly guys from the Super Bowl era. You know, Derek Brooks, Shelton Corals, Warren Sapp, all those guys. In other words, since 2000 or since the Super Bowl era, Levante David is basically the quintessential Buccaneer. He, he's the Buccaneer. He's the face of this franchise since the turn of the century. That's and I just think, I, I, you know, I think we need to recognize how great his career has been. Yeah, that's an incredible point. And I, I think it's so true that um, his consistency, his longevity, it's – I mean, it's unbelievable. And I actually had um, Mike Caldwell, the inside linebackers coach on my radio show oh, this cool. week. And I asked him, I said, you know, sometimes I think we even forget how long Levante has been playing because he still just plays at such a high level. You never hear anyone saying they're like, oh, is he starting to fall off? Or, oh, is he, you know, because of his age or how long, like you just don't hear yeah. those conversations. And I asked him, I said, do you still believe that Levante is at his peak? And he said, yeah, absolutely. Is unbelievable. He's the he's the new Rondé Barber in terms of just playing forever and playing at a high level the entire time. Getting back to the Pro Bowl guys, before we take questions, Ali Marpet was gaining a lot of buzz. Missing some time isn't going to help him, but hopefully he'll be back soon. Maybe Ryan Jensen too. Devin White, Carlton Davis has kind of emerged as one of the NFL's best cornerbacks. You just hope he's gotten enough attention. Uh, JPP is a good name, and he's he's up there among the sack leaders. And then actually, you pointed this out before we went on here we probably should consider Ryan Suckup. He does lead the NFL in scoring, and he's made 16 field goals in a row, uh, and he's missed only twice, I think, all year. So he's got to be in the conversation as well. 
Yeah, that's a great point. And you brought up um, Ali Marpet for the Pro Bowl stuff. We had lots of people with Thomas and mm -hmm. Eric and Jake and a whole bunch of other people asking about his status, what we know about him. And then I also just wanted to hear how you felt the reorganized offensive line did this last week. Yeah, you know, all last week, I think we were kind of hoping and that Allie was going to be able to come back for this game. And, and then on Saturday, he just, they couldn't clear him out of the concussion protocol. So he remained in it to start the week. And one of the things, one of the steps you have to do to get out of that is to have a full practice. And he hasn't done that yet. So I don't think at the start of the week, they believe he will be practicing fully. Coach Arian said something about him having some individual workouts on the side of his own. So there's still some progress to be made. He still has to come out of that concussion protocol. Hopefully that happens by the end of the week. If not, at least we found a combination that works with Ryan Jensen moving to guard and AQ Shipley stepping in at center. Both of those guys played very well. Obviously, you can tell that just by the numbers um, <clears throat> against Carolina. So they'd have their hands a little bit more full this week with the Rams and Aaron Donald and one of the best defenses in the league. But um, it does give you a little bit of confidence if, if Ali can't play. Yeah, and you, you brought up one of the best defenses in the league. Um, Daniel had asked, do you think that this could be one of those games that's more of a shootout, more of a defensive battle? What do you think the, the vibe of this next game will be? Yeah, the fun thing about this Monday Nighter against the Rams is, while it's been a while, these two teams have a really interesting Monday Night football history, not to mention playoff history. But, um, yeah, we all remember that 2000 shootout uh, uh, with the Rams late in, the, in 2000. Uh, here at Raymond James Stadium, it was 38-35, work done, scored at the end. Incredible plays on both sides. Would this one be like this? I mean, our offense has obviously shown the ability to be uh, explosive. The Rams have moved the ball well, but aren't really among the league's leaders in scoring. I think they would like this to be more of a slugfest because their defense has just been fantastic. Um, they're, they're, they're top five in just about every category you can think of. Um, and they're, they're top, they're the second leaders in terms of yards, the Buccaneers are third. And uh, I think they're second in points allowed as well. So they've been tough. And, and here's one thing you got to keep in mind, the Buccaneers, they're, they're doing some things different to try to get a fast start on Monday night, because that's been one of the problems in these primetime games is, is starting slowly. And they really can't afford to fall behind in this game because the Rams defense in the second half, second halves of, of games this year has been incredible. They've only allowed 36 points in the second half of nine games. That's four points a game. The next closest team is allowed 70 and the Bucks are third, by the way, on that list at 79. So uh, it's going to be hard to mount a comeback if you fall behind early. Yeah. And I think I saw a stat that Sean McVay has never lost a game when winning by, I don't remember if it was just winning at half or winning by 10 at half. But I think it was just winning at half that he hasn't lost a game. I may be wrong. I have to go yeah, back. Yeah, they've, they've actually lost one game that they're leading at half this year. Okay, they're then three, it was three and one. by 10. Okay. Yeah. Well, you would definitely not want to be down by 10 at halftime. That's for yes. sure. Yeah, that is for sure. Um, Jermaine asked, do you see us re-signing Chris Godwin uh, this year or during the offseason? Well, that's the goal. Um, I, I don't know how you would let a, a player of that caliber get away, except that sometimes it's just – impossible to sign everybody you want to keep. Um, I've got my fingers crossed. I don't think it's necessarily 100% certainty. Uh, it might depend on what the market is. And, and we all don't know what that's going to be like from a league-wide perspective next year with the possibility of lower salary caps. Uh, so it's a complicated situation. But when you, when you look at, he misses a couple games. And then as soon as he comes back, 
he's the guy playing almost every snap. Both of the games since he's been back, he's played more snaps than any other receiver. He plays almost all of them every game. And it's because he's involved in everything that you do, including to a big extent, run blocking. He does a lot of that and not just, oh, he's out there on the side trying to out there wide, you know, playing push with, with the wide receiver. They put him, pull him in tight and give him specific blocking assignments, sometimes even as a lead blocker through the hole. So, uh, and he's just, he's so reliable on third downs. He runs such great routes. I mean, he's still catching the ball despite having a splint on a broken finger. He's such a great player that you don't want to see him get away. We had a question about the, the Bucks defense in recent games um, seeming to play, you know, a little bit more zone and uh, maybe a little bit more off of some of the wide receivers. And they wanted to hear um, what you think about why that was and will that be a new thing continued or was that more about the opponents that they were playing? Some of that stuff when they're playing off is because it is a zone, but it's also they're, they're getting ready to disguise something. And I would, I would, guide you to on buccaneers.com ronde barber's film session this week where he breaks down the play where jason pierre paul intercepted the pass and the movement that todd bowles devised between these players is incredible and it it starts out looking like one thing and at the end it's actually something completely different that teddy bridgewater didn't expect and so you've got by the end of it carlton davis is a safety Jamel Dean is, a, is an end. Shaq Barrett is a defensive tackle. Jason Pierre-Paul is a seam-dropping linebacker. I mean, you're defying expectations by moving these guys around and disguising what you're going to do and turning it into something else. And, and in some cases, you have to be a little bit off to make – Carlton Davis has to be playing pretty far off to slide from corner into a safety position. So I, I think if there's any concern about that, it comes from the Saints game where absolutely nothing went right. And it did look like the defense was being more passive than usual, but uh, you know, we held the saints and I think Teddy Bridgewater is a good quarterback. We held the saints to 187 yards. So a lot of times it's not, it's not a matter of how passive or aggressive they're being. It's just how well they're, they're executing it. And then I saw a few different people brought up the fact that we have another primetime game night game, and that has not, uh, gone as well as some of the other games this season and I know that Bruce uh, has said that he's making a few changes this week to try to get the guys prepared so um, I wanted to hear you know what those are and what you think of, of what they might do for the team's readiness on Monday night. Well the big change is that they're going to practice in the evening on Friday and Saturday starting at 7 30 which is pretty close to what the actual kickoff time on Monday night will be and fortunately they can do that because we have the indoor facility with the lights uh, wouldn't have been possible before then because those fields back there are not lit. Um, that's the big change. And I think that's a coach just trying to get his players acclimated to a schedule and getting used to getting their energy up at the right moment. And, you know, instead of one o'clock, it's in the evening. Uh, it's worth a try. I don't see really how it could hurt. And it certainly could help. They're also going to do more, he said, on Monday. Monday is the day. Monday night games are the ones that really mess with the players because on Sunday they can watch football all day. And on Thursday night, you usually on Thursday, you're still trying to get prepared because the, the week is so short, but on Monday you just sit around all day. Maybe you take a nap, whatever. So he said, they're going to do more on Monday morning, probably just to keep the players more, you know, involved and not just sitting around all day. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us on this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Thanks for all of your amazing questions. Enjoy the game Monday night and we'll see you back here on Wednesday. <laughs>